welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast that gives light and levity to infertility and different pathways to parenthood. I'm Millie Brooks, your host, and this is season six of the podcast. We're doing, we're changing it up this season, and we are going to be following one person's journey throughout the whole season. Um, We will be following Audrey as she enters Ukraine, where she will be with her surrogate as they give birth to her son. Audrey, how are you? Hi, I am. I'm a mess. (laughs) (laughs) But I am back from Porto, Portugal. So trying to prepare my friend's husband is picking up Jorge from the airport. I have repacked my bag five times, trying to condense as much as I can. I had a little breakdown. Um, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I remember um, from the previous, our previous conversation uh, in the previous episode, you were saying how um, because the surrogate um, doesn't have an updated birth uh passport or birth certificate for herself, it might take a little bit. Passport. Passport, right. It might take a little bit longer for you to leave Ukraine, correct? That's correct. Um, However, she is saying now that with her expired passport and a notarized document, like a certificate, that can hold legal value. So hopefully that's the case. Okay. Okay, so she she might not have to travel back home to update her passport, correct? I'm I'm hoping, but you know, we can get to the border and be turned around. So yeah. Yeah. We'll see. It's all up in the air. Yep, that's correct, and I'm mentally preparing for that. Yes, how ooh. Mm mm mm. That's good. That's good. How do you mentally prepare for the unpredictable. I I mean, like, man, what a good life tool to be able to mentally prepare for the unknown. I just cry about it now. (laughs) (laughs) And then tell myself everything's going to be fine. And when it happens, it's like my inner voice says, see, I told you so, but you've already cried about it. Let's let's keep moving on. You know, crying (laughs) helps me process stuff. It does me too, and um, I'm just a crier. I, I remember since I was a baby, my mom would pop, I don't know, Little Mermaid, and I would just cry. Um, so I've always been very empathic and emotional, and that's one of my tools is just letting it out all by crying and rage crying. Oh, yes, rage crying. I love rage crying. I, well, I love to do it privately. Privately. I don't, I don't yeah. want anybody to see my rage crying. It's not a pretty sight, but it does help me move through things. So you, so let's, let's catch everybody up to speed here. Um, the first two episodes, we were kind of recording back to back, but now we had, we had the holiday weekend. The 4th of July was this past weekend, and it's been five days since we last talked. Catch us up on any new developments that has happened since we last talked? Um, so not much on 
you know, my surrogate side, she's feeling well, you know, everything's going well. Jorge left yesterday. He just arrived to Frankfurt. Um, I had a very emotional weekend as well, you know, with all this heavy things happening, not only, you know, in Chicago, but also in Denmark. And it just had me questioning, like, what the hell am I doing? You know, um, it, it was, it, it got me into really anxious and dark space, mm. but you know, we got, we got to move forward and I've been wanting a baby for so long and I wanted to grow my family and he's coming soon. So we, I just need to brace myself for it and get ready to enter Ukraine. We have our trains, so we're stopping in Vienna and then I hope yeah. hopefully I can make it because I actually have a friend who her son actually was born and she was still in Atlanta. So th- this week. So that had me and they had the same due date. So that had me a little nervous. I'm like, oh, my gosh, her son is already here. Um, so I'm hoping I can make it. Mm. I hope Mateo stays put until Friday, at least for the ultrasound and I can be there for the birth. Okay. Yes. Today. Yeah. Yeah. So the plan is, um, Jorge is coming, is arriving today. Yes. Today. In Germany. And, um, this past weekend you went to Portugal with your friend that you're staying with, right? That's correct. How was Portugal? I've never been there. It was amazing. Oh my God. The food was amazing. Everything. Like sometimes we, ate and drank so much and sometimes we would expect a bill of like 300 because we got carried away mm-hmm. and it was like 60 60 euros and we're like what this is insane oh wow <laughs> portugal is a cheap date yeah it is and it's amazing because it, it has these amazing sightseeings um a lot of like old cathedrals that are just beautiful um, and, and so many bridges. So it, it was, it was good to just walk. And I actually had one of my crying session, just walking around, um, by myself. So how is, how is your surrogate doing? Any other updates? Yeah. She's doing well. Not, not much, you know, she's eating a lot of ice cream and she's doing well. She says Mateo is kicking on strong and good that everything's well. Good. Oh, that's good. Do you guys check in once a day? Lately, yes. At the beginning, I didn't want to have any kind of contact. Um, But my husband said, hey, you know, there's rumors, right? Every time the rumors got stronger, he said, I think we should initiate contact. The agency gave me the phone number or we use Viber. That's the application Mm -hmm. um, because it translates. She writes in Ukrainian and I write in English and it translate, you know, between each other. It translates mm-hmm. between each other. Um, and I didn't want to have a conversation. You know, I didn't want to reach out because I was so emotionally drained from my first surrogate, you know, having to break up with her because it felt like a really bad breakup that I couldn't put myself through it again. But when Jorge said, hey, you know, sometimes information's gets delayed from the agency and if things go sour or south you know we need to know from her where she's at how she's doing and connect with her 
so I started connecting with her and it's, oh my gosh, it's been amazing. She has even said how much she appreciates having this connection with me because she didn't, she has a strong connection with her past intended mama, but it got after the baby was born, not prior to the baby was born. Um, and obviously, you know, we're in a war, so it's been a little bit different. Um, but I try to check in with her at the beginning. It was every other day, lately, every day. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Hey, did you have ice cream? Hey, how, you know, what did you do today? Yeah. Send me a belly pic, stuff like that. That's great. Thank goodness for technology. Like that's able to just kind of translate that conversation and there doesn't have to be a middleman. Oh, yeah. You don't have to go through the agency. It's just a very quick check-in, um, you know, and can kind of pacify the nerves for a second or two. Yeah, and I lucked out because thanks to my agency and how they operate, a lot of agencies don't allow that. I was even seeing, you know, on, on groups and social media of circuits desperately trying to connect with their intended parents because they had lost the connection between the agency and them. And it was just a nightmare. But I, I got to say that my agency was top notch. It's one of the ones that you will find recommended on groups, recommended on even books. So I was happy I chose the one that I did. Oh, that's great. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, one thing that I kind of wanted to focus our conversation around today was just the Ukrainian surrogacy industry. Like, it is an international surrogacy hub. And um, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit through your lens. Um, you know, there's a lot of people travel from all over the world to Ukraine to build their families through surrogacy. You know, as we've been talking about in previous episodes, the conditions are, you know, the parents have to be straight and married. Um, and but in terms of like the birth certificate stuff, it's relatively uncomplicated, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to prove that you're the biological link and then you show up at the, you know, the mom and dad, the genetic mom and dad, right? Mm -hmm. um, let's rephrase that if you can. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the mom and dad are the ones that appear in the birth certificate, which for me was very important. I didn't want to adopt my own child. You know, I didn't want to go through that process, which other countries do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's straightforward. It's a lot of paperwork, like, with everything. But right. I don't have to, to go through a process of adoption or anything like that. Yeah, like um, in the UK, the surrogate is on the birth certificate as the mother. And if she is married, then her, her husband is then put down as the father. So like there's a lot of hoops that in other countries that you kind of have to jump through. Yeah. And in Ukraine, those hoops are smaller and less frequent, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I, I do say, because it, it depends on, on also on your embassy laws. Mm. So because of what you said, right. Um, I think the UK and Ireland still have to do that process of adopt. It's through their embassy. Mm -hmm. um, 
but they do require that their surrogate is single because of that. So then um, the dad can appear in the certificate and only then the mom would have to go through the adoption process, which is hard. But for thankfully, or I don't know if that's the right word, but for Americans and Canadians, um, it's an easier process. And I, don't quote me on the Canadians, but I, I believe that Canadians and Americans, the process is really easy. And we both appear in the birth certificate from day one. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, I was also doing a little bit of research um, that it said most of the um, clinics are located in Kiev. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, when that happened, you know, when the invasion happened, it, it was a nightmare. You know, they had to, they had been investing so much in their embryo labs and in their clinics. Um, so it was very heartbreaking when, you know, they had to like go to their brand new clinics and take all these, the embryos out and move them to a safer place. A lot of agencies took the embryos to Slovakia or to the Czech Republic. Um, but some are back running in Kiev. Some have relocated to either Lviv or Ustrogod, which are more Western cities borderlining Poland and Slovakia. Oh, oh what a mess. I mean, I just like, yeah. you try to find the right words to describe that kind of complication in an area of conflict, you know, but like, how do you even begin to transport, you know, thousands upon thousands of embryos, you know, in a, um, in a area of conflict? I don't even, oh my gosh. I mean, these people were my heroes. Like I, you know, we would get pictures of basically they would take the tanks, right. And in their own cars and just, risk it they risk their lives to transport and you know people's embryos and it was amazing from their part um so i'm grateful i don't even know millie i don't know where my embryos are right now my remaining embryos i think they're in slovakia i just with mateo coming like i that's what i want to focus on first and when he's here then I'll ask the question, okay, where are my remaining embryos? Because oh, yeah. I mean, you got to, you can't, you can't worry about that right now. You know, you got to just worry about what's in front of you, which is Mateo and your surrogate. That's right. Um, wow. Okay. So, but you said some of the clinics are back up and running. Yeah. Some are back on running. A lot of um, people on social media have been, you know, asking for advice. And I feel for them because, you know, some people had just sent their last two remaining embryos. And that was, and they had signed contracts. They already had paid everything. And that's their last resort. Um, They don't have any other option. And my other point of view is, like, I'm so grateful that I was able to provide my surrogate with financial stability during the war because her husband basically lost his job, but she was being able to get, a you know, a stable income from the surrogacy process. So in a way, like, I, my advice has been, like, 
I understand it because Ukrainians still need the money. You know, they still need to make a living. This is their job for many of the women. Um, but try to see if you can get them as west of the country as possible. Lviv mm-hmm. and Ozrogod are key cities where they haven't been that hurt um, by shellings and stuff. But yeah, I um, I would stay away for anything that it's south and east of the country for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember when Russia invaded Ukraine at the end of February of this year, and there was, it sparked a lot of conversation regarding um, surrogacy in Ukraine and the the ethics behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like, is it, is it okay? Is it, you know, are we just fueling a breeding fire in a way? You know, like a lot of people kind of asked that question and I wanted to hear how that landed for you. Um, and also, and then I have my, some more thoughts, but like how, how does, how does that feel when people are kind of looking at the surrogacy hub in Ukraine um, through that lens? So I hate it. Like, and that's why I've declined a lot of um, media conversations because I don't under, like, I don't know the true intentions of the person behind it. I got tapped by just um, National Geographic because they're doing a piece of it. And when I tried interviewing back the person, they're like, she, she's like, I don't have an actual sentiment on surrogacy. I'm like, okay, well, I can't, I can't move forward. And every time I get a feeling, you know, and I feel a little bit of judgment, I, I push back because people already have their mind, whether it's in Ukraine, Mexico, and the United States, they have their mind set on their opinions about surrogacy. Um, mm. I feel that I chose what was right for me and my husband. I chose where the compensation for my surrogate was going to be high for her. She can do so much more with her money than what my surrogate here in the U.S. could have done. Um, For God's sake, my surrogate's buying a house with her compensation, which over here, my friend could have not even probably put a down payment for a car. Um, So... And, and then the medical care, right? The medical is not top notch as over here, but over here, if you don't have insurance, you you pay thousands of dollars for billing. Yeah. Over there, their approach is very different. You know, their technology is lower, but their areas are much scrubbed and clean. And you know, not everybody can be in the hospital, and everybody, you know, it's their protocols are much different than in the U.S. Which for me was important. Now the ethics of whether the surrogate should have autonomy or not for me that was something that I that I had in my mind from day one of the war since February twenty fourth. Even before that, I kept telling her, "You do you. You do what's best for your family and for yourself. Forget about Mateo and forget a, you know. I let's not think about that. You are carrying my child." Think about what's best for you. Wow, Audrey. Oh my gosh. 
that is like, that's so beautiful and selfless. And oh, I bet that gave her so much relief. Yeah. Um, she, um, although she, she was like, no, you know, I just, she felt, I can, I can tell she felt guilt and responsibility. And I tried to take that away from her. I'm like, I'm, I'm never going to make you do something that you don't want to. I just, I just want you to be safe. And in her contract, she did have that at week 28, she needed to go to Kiev because that's standard protocol. So at, at week 28, when they could potentially give birth and there's a high chance of survival, they need to move close to the hospital so they can be monitored. Um, now, with this happening, like, there was no way she was going to move to Kiev. Um, and then at week 28, we had a lot of, she, she really, she, she asked not to move at week 28, which I said, okay, so what's a good time for you to move? Um, and then she said week 32, and then we had all the paperwork complications. But finally, at week 36, I, I just had to express my side of the things and say, hey, if baby is born, where are you at in your village? And he needs help. I'm going to be inside Ukraine 20 plus hours. My government already said they're not going to save me because the U.S. has told us not to enter Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And I really, really want to be there for the birth because I've had so many miscarriages. Like, I didn't want to guilt trip her, but I, I spoke from my heart. Like, I want to be there for my, for the birth because I haven't exper- experimented anything. I haven't enjoyed anything from this pregnancy. And she and she's like, no, listen, like, I'm not, I really don't, I'm not pushing because I don't want to go. I just want to make things right. I really want that passport to be here. And from nowhere, she texted me and she's like, okay, we have a plan. I'm leaving tomorrow. We'll figure it out. And like, I know she has my back and I have her back. And that's something I would never imagine. And, but I know that a lot of parents were, mm. were pushing for them to get even out of the country, which it's illegal, but a lot of parents did so. Um, that's a whole another subject, mm. but I, I believe like I, you can't make someone do something they don't want. Obviously, this is their job and they've signed a contract and they just need to be as safe as possible. But at the end of the day, we need to, rem- you know, we need to remember mm-hmm. they're humans too and they have their own responsibility. They have their own fear and we just need to meet halfway. Wow. Oh, you are, you're so much more evolved than I am. Like, I just, I think you have, you've clearly done so much internal and emotional investigating around this, Audrey, that it, it just, it's so, I mean, that's so, what a gift, you know, just like, what a gift to be able to like. It was hard. Create this bond. It was hard. Yeah. I, oh, I can't imagine. But like the way that you're speaking about it, just I'm like, wow, she has done her work on this. She has journaled. She has rage cried. Like this is, um, I just, I, I know that there can be a lot of tension between the intended mother and the surrogate, you know, of just um, plans of, you know, where to, where to give birth and how that's going to go. And it just sounds to me like you and your surrogate are just, 
you're on the same team. Yeah. And there's worse barriers right now when you don't speak the language, you know, the same language and you're using translators and middle people. Um, but what I, one thing I can do and is be my advocate and be her advocate. You know, I know right now we haven't talked about it, but she wants a, obviously a vaginal birth and I'm all for it. But when times come, if we need to do a C-section, I'm, you know, I'm going to be her advocate and make sure she she's okay with it and make sure that she gets the medication and the care that she needs if we have to go through that decision, right? I don't, I don't, from our friendship, I don't think she'll say no, but I, I got to prepare myself for being her advocate because I know that other things that happen, like we've talked about, like they don't use anesthesia for hysteroscopy. So I need to make sure then when they're doing any type of procedures on she's getting the medicine the and care. The, I mean, like if she's going to go, yeah, if she's going to go through a C-section, she's going to want some anesthesia. For sure. So um, hopefully everything goes well. And, um, but yeah, we've, my plan is no plan right now is just taking it day by day, making sure she's a veteran, you know, this is her fifth birth. So she knows what she's doing. And I, I trust her. She's carrying my child. So I have to trust her. You know, going back to um, people viewing the surrogacy hub in Ukraine as oppressive towards women or, um, you know, uh, a place where women, you know, women don't have a ton of options. And so this is one of their options that they can resort to. Yeah. Like what, what, how do you feel about that? That's a, that's a lie. Like they, um, they have options. Mm -hmm. They can work and, you know, they can have other type of draws, but when you tell someone like the average salary in Ukraine is $300 a month. So when you told mm -hmm. when you ask someone to spend 12, hour, 12 hours a day, someone who has kids and they can't spend time with their kids um, and basically overwork to make a certain amount of money, or you can probably do triple of that just by doing the surrogacy process. A lot of people want to do the surrogacy process. And just because you want to be a surrogate doesn't mean you qualify because they go through an intrinsic, mm. it's, it's a job, you know, it's, they have to, they have a psychological evaluation, they have hormonal checks. I lost two surrogates, my number three and fourth, because their endometrium, either they had endometritis or their thickening wasn't too thick or they were, it was too thin. So just because they want to be a surrogate, they, they just can't, and they have options. They can choose not to do it they can choose what agency they can choose how many uh, how much they want to get paid and like mine she can choose how many she wants implanted we said we begged for her to get two implanted and she said nope I'm, it's one or none so they yeah. do have options it's not like they're being taken advantage i understand that yeah it's not like well that's the thing because i feel like a lot of people sort of look at this through the lens of you know, through an American lens. And they're like, oh, you're exploiting the women. You know, these women don't, you know, they're, 
you know, they're, they're being made forced to do this because it's the only option they have. And I, I'm glad you're clearing that up because that's not the case. It sounds like. No. And I mean, I wish, like I say it all, I wish I could be carrying a child. I would be a surrogate all the time I could, because it's an amazing gift and you're getting from my surrogate's points of view, you know, she is getting to spend time with her children as well and being there to work on her investment because her first surrogacy journey, she invested on creating her own business, which is in farming. And, you know, she can dedicate time, she can dedicate her time and resources as she please and wants. And she still has autonomy. And I understand that there has been countries that have, exploited that and unfortunately they have been banned you know they've been banned um from doing surrogacy because they don't follow the proper process and procedures but in a country like ukraine and um i want to say georgia the country of georgia Mm -hmm. um they do follow a rigorous process of making sure that the you know a surrogate is has free will and everything and you know, she has some autonomy and it yeah. also depends on what agency you, you know, you want to be doing your research on which agency just read up, not only on what's on media, but an actual book. Um, I wouldn't encourage anybody to read the news or the fake news, like I want to call it, where they're presenting Ukraine as, as a bad hub, because again, most of those writers are just set on their mind that women's body are, you know, how you say it, um, being exploited and that many of them say, Oh, you know, they're taking away their child and giving it to another couple. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's not genetically her child. And my surrogate has that clear when she, and I love that because every time she speaks about the baby, she's like, your son gives me so much, um, cravings or your son just kicked me. And she just that acknowledgement of like, it's wow. my son she's carrying. Yeah. 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 It sounds like a rigorous process that they go through. And it's not just like something easy for something easy to do for a lot of money, you know, which I think is another kind of um, stereotype or generalization that people view it as, you know, and um it sounds to me like you've just been incredibly respectful of her bodily autonomy throughout the whole process. For sure. Yes, definitely. I mean, coming from a country where apparently I'm not going to even have rights on yeah. my own uterus, um, I'm no one to tell what other people to do, right? I, I will choose what I don't want to do, but I will not tell other people what to do. And I strongly believe that in any way. And, you know, this is an agreement between both of us. You know, she chose to do this and thankfully she chose to do this for me, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I think that this is, this is a really potent conversation because of our political climate right now in America. Um, We're talking right after, you know, Scoutus, the Supreme Court, which is the highest court of the land here, has overturned Roe v. Wade, which is gives um, people the constitutional right to an abortion. 
Um, and so it, it's really on the forefront of all, it's, it's like right in front of us right now. Um, it's, it's like surrounding us, you know, how much of our bodies do we actually own right now? You know? And, um, and so and the sad part is it's, it's the right to get a safe abortion because you know, that's going to happen. Yeah. It's just not going to happen safely. Well, that's the and, thing. And I, I, I'm, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. And I was just, there was this meme, right. About two people and one people says, um, I, I'm, you know, it, it's not a meme. It's, it's this illustration where one person says, I'm sorry, I cannot do that because it goes against my religion. And the other person says, I'm sorry, you cannot do that because it goes against my religion. And it's like, you don't have to do something that you don't want to, but why do you tell other people what they can or cannot do with their own beliefs and their own body? Yeah. I just, I just don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I'm not, and, and, and I think this not, really relates to the surrogacy conversation too, right? Because it's yeah. everybody's bodily choice. Everybody can choose to do what they want and need to do with their body. You know, um, the bodily autonomy, um, decision, should be made up to the individual, you know, and nobody is forcing any, you know, being forced to do anything doesn't feel good, right? Being forced to have, to give birth, being forced to be a surrogate, you know, it's not, it's not right. And I don't, but I think that's where people are confused when they look at the surrogacy situation in Ukraine, right? They're like, oh, these people... They're forced to do this. No, 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 no. Nobody's forced. Yeah, and even the miseducation, right? Because I remember telling my coworkers about the news, so excited, and like I had one that this one coworker who said, "Oh, so you're gonna be there for the birth?" I'm like, "Yeah. Well, maybe you don't want to be there because when they take her child away, and then you know she might be crying." I'm like, "What are you talking whoa, about? Like, whoa, whoa, whoa! It's it's not her child. Is you know, it's my child and." the first thing she's going to do is like, give me the baby. Like she's already gone through this. Like she, so it's the miseducation of people thinking that they're genetically linked because there, there was in the past, there was a traditional surrogacy, Mm -hmm. which I believe is not legal in Ukraine. Don't quote me on that, but I believe it's illegal to actually do it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a standard practice anymore in the U S which means is that the surrogate basically gets, you know, an IUI. So she gets sperm. Um, and uses her own egg. They might go through IVF, mm, but they oh, use her right. own egg. Um, yep. And that complicates things because she's already genetically linked. And there's been um, court cases and all that on those cases. And I think that's why the standard pra- practice is you use eggs from somewhere, someone that's not genetically linked to the actual surrogate. So there's not that bond. or And, and there's still bond, right? There's still going to be a bond between the surrogate and the baby, but as long as they have that psychological evaluation and they're clear that they're caring for someone else, then I think they can do with their body, whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a very bold statement here, but, um, you know, why not? Um, (laughs) I, it's one of the reasons why I think sex workers, like sex work should be legal. Like it will, you know, like it, um, yeah, when you make it uh, illegal for people to, you know, work in the sex industry, it makes it, it makes it less safe. Yeah. Yeah. Unsafe. Make it legal, make them get tested, make them have, you know, I don't know, a background checkup. Hey, cover, charge them taxes for it, but have a process in place where it's safe. Yeah. They can choose how they want to work or not. Right. Right. They can choose. And it's, um, I think it can also, um, when you legalize something, it, it does. It just inherently makes things safer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it also puts regulations on stuff, um, which, again, I believe makes things safer. Um, anyways, I probably lost a few a few listeners or followers after that bold claim, but here I am. I, I stand by it. I said what I said. I stand with you. <laughs> and like I, you know, I do have, like I do have all these. Maybe I don't know. I don't want to say crazy, but like not your current ideas. But for example, with the whole abortion, I'm not going saying, "Hey, I'm pro." people getting abortion of course not I've been trying to get pregnant but I'm just pro like and and if I could I I wouldn't and if I have a teenage daughter I'm not gonna go and tell her to do what she needs to do I'm just pro of whomever wants to make the decision is their life I don't go tell Mm. people with who they should have sex or not like that's that's not my business Mm -hmm. but my belief is you get pregnant and if if it's a mistake or whatever, it's it's your decision to make. I would not, I, you know, there's certain cases that I would, but mm-hmm. my first instinct would not be um, to tell that person yeah. wh- what to do, you know, to exactly. make that decision for them. Yeah. That's just like, ugh. Yeah, that's, um, it's getting very, yeah, it's getting really tragic here since the overturn. Um, and a lot of, um, I'm just hearing of a lot of, uh, scary stuff happening. Oh yes. And and that, and that makes me question like what's going to happen to surrogates here if they have a miscarriage, because you Mm. think about it, lots of us that go through surrogacies because we've had miscarriages or we can't carry So it could be a urine problem or it could be an egg quality problem. So what if it's an egg quality problem and you're still using or or sperm quality problem, right? And you're still using your own embryos. Yeah. And and a perfect surrogate, a proven surrogate, but she still miscarries. What's going to happen to her with these laws? So I'm scared of, of that happening here as well. Like, Circuits here are not going to have any, a lot of choices. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is going to have a ripple effect internationally, right? Internationally. Um, well, 
That's almost our time, Audrey. Um, this has been a juicy. We're digging. We're unpacking everything here, guys. <laughs> um, this is me, myself, and Millie, season six with Audrey. Thanks for being here today, and we'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bombs, and see you next week.